Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Williams. If you're a new listener, I got a few things I want to tell you. Um, first thing, thanks for listening to the episode. I know that you're absolutely going to love it. The other thing that I can ask or ask of you is go on over to Facebook and just follow us on Facebook. Like our page. Uh, if you like the episode, share the episode post with your friends. Um, it really helps us. And also, if you are listening on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're choosing to listen, just leave us a five-star review and leave a, write a review for us. Uh, it really helps us get more noticed in uh, in the searches and things like that. So uh, without further ado, we're going to run in through some business real quick and then we'll get jump right into the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by WeBuyRides.com. WeBuyRides is your go-to place for a real offer on your vehicle. This isn't like a CarMax or any other third-party vendor which says that you'll get the best offer possible. WeBuyRides really will give you the most money that they can for your vehicle. They will buy your vehicle outright or that offer will be good on a new or used vehicle trade-in. We Buy Rides has a huge network of buyers to ensure that we that they can give you the best wholesale offer possible. Before you sell or trade your vehicle, take the time to go to webuyrides.com and make sure you're getting the best deal possible. Now, We Buy Rides, they actually specialize in 4x4s, diesel trucks, and Highline vehicles. And again, if you're new to the show, all of our sponsors, I make sure that they have an outstanding customer service rating, whether that's when I deal with them personally or the people that run the show at the business, I make sure that they have great character and that that character bleeds over into their business. I know the staff at WeBuyRides.com, and I can't speak highly enough of their character. That's WeBuyRides, with a Z, dot com, W-E-B-U-Y-R-I-D-E-Z.com, WeBuyRides.com. Another one of our sponsors is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road is one of the top brands in lighting. It is the place where quality and cost come together. Everything meshes and it's awesome. Infinite Off-Road is pretty well known for their uh, 25 year, you break it, they fix it warranty. No questions asked folks. Uh, That's pretty amazing to be honest with you. A no questions asked 25 year warranty that even covers accidental damage. That goes for all Infinite Off-Road branded light bars, light pods, wheel rings, rock lights, just about everything you can think of. Infinite Off-Road offers their version of it. And let me tell you, um, I got to give a big, big, big shout out to uh, Mike Noggle. I just raced in Pro Rock this weekend and I shot him a text and said, hey man, it looks like we're going to be running at night. And uh, he hooked me up with a set of uh, 40 watt pods with floodlights and a spot in them. Um, First off, the light quality has changed tremendously over the years that I've been uh, a customer of Infinite Off-Road and there are, there are, the pods that I got are part of his new series that he just is about to release and name and uh, the quality on them was excellent but I really can't speak highly enough of the wiring kit that he sells. It took me about 30 minutes to get everything wired up, uh, put into place on the car with the brackets that he provided as well. It really is a one-stop shop and it's extremely easy to get everything wired in. If you're like me and have no electronic experience, no wiring experience and don't know what you're doing really at all when it comes to electrical, it was awesome to have a wiring kit that made it so easy. And Infinite Off-Road knows that the listeners of the show are dedicated fans and they want to give it back to you. So InfiniteOffRoad.com, 
There is a 10% off coupon code called ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off your entire order, or if you choose to order through the phone or online, however you choose to do it. Um, just tell them that Racing on the Rocks sent you. It's a great way for us to keep that coupon code going, uh, and I really, again, have nothing but positive things to say about the customer service there. Been with Mike uh, since 2013 when he first opened his door, so I'm really stoked to be a part of their team. Another person I'd like to give a shout out to in another team is the All Things UTV team. All Things UTV is basically your one-stop shop. They are the end-all be-all. Whether it's suspension components, tires, wheels, axles, drivetrain components, RS1 diffs, turbo diffs, 1000 diffs, they carry the diffs themselves, they carry the conversions, just about everything that you can think of. Engine performance, tender springs, if you want to get that usability back in your ride, Razor A Tender Springs, exclusively sold by All Things UTV, is an absolutely great option to have on your car. Everything is extremely affordable. Shipping is crazy fast. And he typically has everything in stock and every kind of color that you'd ever want. Also, a super big highlight is their inner fenders uh, for, the, for the Razor that just came out. They just uh, got a 2.0 version. And uh, they're first off, they're beautifully designed. They mesh well. Everything looks great, and it's free powder coating as well uh, in the color that you want. So, all things UTV again is right on that customer service train where they're excellent to deal with. Uh, Dustin and his team are excellent to to deal with. I just cannot speak highly enough of the fact that if someone's customer service um, isn't up to par, we will not continue to do uh, business with them at the podcast. So everyone that I uh, deal with is just top notch, A plus customer service. Uh, but as for the episode today, um, I'm not sure if a lot of people have heard of this guy, but uh, Timmy Cameron is going to be on the show today. Um, we talk about everything, and I had a great time talking to him. Uh, he's he's very, very humble, and he says that he put me off for a long while, and uh, the guy was great to talk with. I tried to ask him as many questions as I could from my own memory, and I also tried to ask him as many questions as I could that you guys put up on Facebook. Um, it was great. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. If you do, leave us a comment on Facebook. Leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, specifically Spotify Works as well. Um, it's great, y'all. We really appreciate it. And a uh, big shout-out to Timmy Cameron. Thanks for making the show great. Hope you guys enjoy it. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. Tim Cameron, the man, the myth, the legend. I finally got a hold of you. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, oh, man, I'm doing great. You know, it's just it's an awesome day. Just, just been working and... Trying to get through the day, you know, it's just like a typical Monday, but uh, we're, we're alive, we're living great life, and just everything's good. Yeah, first off, uh, I know I said it a few minutes ago before the call, but I thank you, my fans thank you, or the listeners thank you, better better said, uh, for making some time for us, because I've just been so excited to get you on the show. Oh yeah, most certainly, you know, I, I know we've talked uh, multiple times trying to trying to make time and get on here, and I just... I feel bad for taking, it's like I took forever, it's like the whole race season, but Lisa finally finally caught a break because race season's over, and, you know, I've been working on building a new vehicle, and I've kind of got it off the powder coat, so that's, that's I guess, makes me have a breather, and I was able to make some time, and I'm just so glad, uh, I guess you waited for me, and here we are. 
Yeah, and and you know, for for everybody else listening who's coming down the chain, I got nothing but time. Uh, I'm always willing to work around just about anybody's schedule. I tell, I say this every week. I'm just a fan who got lucky enough somehow to get the chance to talk to everybody and talk on everybody else's behalf. So that's all. Um, with that, we'll go ahead and jump in it. Um, a lot of people know your story and kind of know what you've done over the years, but uh, I think something that people don't know exactly is how did you get into the off-road sport altogether? You know, uh, oh, that's a good one. Let's see. Whenever I first got into off-road, um, I'm 33 years old now. When I was 14 to 15 would be the first time I guess I ever drove anything that was, I guess, a four-wheel drive or mm-hmm. um, full tube chassis, you know, built-wise. Because mm-hmm. um, before that was all your normal stuff like um, – Honda Odyssey or, uh, you know, ATV. Um, but, you know, so when I was 15 or so, we, we, we all used to go out. Of course, there was no racing or anything back then, just for good old trail riding. And, of course, the years progressed on. And, you know, because everyone's seen, seen the wild videos and stuff whenever I was called back. It was about 18 to 25. That was all the uh, wild trail riding we used to do. And just going mm-hmm. out having a good time with friends. Um, whenever I was 26, that's whenever I had raced my first Southern Rock race. And, I mean, I, it, I guess you say the bug bit me. It was, um, it was, it, it, it just grabbed me by surprise. And I just enjoyed it. I loved it. Uh, and I was always against the racing thing. I, I'd always was against the sticky tire. I wanted to always go out and, and for it to be the most challenging to make myself think outside the box of what I need to do to climb this obstacle. And I just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but, uh, I just, I love racing, um, Hardly ever trail ride anymore, especially you know, especially a big car, or mm-hmm. big buggy or whatever. Uh, all the trail riding now is more just UTV and going out with the razors and just having having a good time. Yeah, so let's just go ahead and kind of uh, unpack a little bit of that. Uh, you mentioned that you know all that that wild trail riding that you used to do. You were a little, little younger. Um, what what do you think's different? from you know when you used to trail ride more to now that you're almost exclusively a race program uh you know how does it feel to have that like that setup and also um do you miss trail riding just going out with the guys and going riding you know i do uh the this call back just a couple of years you know i built that plum buck buggy mm-hmm. um that buggy was awesome and i built it to go out and trail ride with some with the buddies, I still I still know that still go out and trail ride all the time, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I missed it. Of course, uh, it's as hard to, for one, it's hard for me to have I guess you know t- uh, two machines that are that are not really built more for racing, but had to have one that'd be built for trail riding. Mm-hmm. I guess it'd be more. Um, it I guess it'd take time away from me trying to focus on. I guess being the racer that I am and trying mm-hmm. to be competitive as possible. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I, I think <laughs> we talked a little bit before we got online. Uh, I'm getting my car ready for this weekend's race, and this is kind of the first process of me trying to make sure, you know, bolt check's good. Yep. I got a few wheel bearings that are bad, so I got to, you know, get just minor things and just making sure that the icing is on the cake. And uh it takes a lot, especially when you're working every day, and it just – uh, it's tough. So having two cars to maintain and whatnot, um, you know, I could I could only imagine yeah. really. Oh, yeah. Um, and speaking of two cars, you know, this this really hasn't I don't think gotten out to the public yet, but we can uh, we can go ahead and spill it here. But um, yeah, of course, you know, Brandon. Most people know Brandon's getting 
my current machine that I raced the past two years, you know, Hellbent. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, he doesn't really, he didn't care to have three machines, so uh, I actually purchased Unfinished Business back from him. Really? Uh, yep. And, uh, of course, and everyone knows I'm building a brand new one, brand new machine for 2020. And, uh, but, so I will have Unfinished Business, as you say, uh, backup slash, depending on where we're racing, if it just, I can pretty much take, take my choice on which machine I think would do better for that location. That's incredible. Uh, so let me ask you this. Where do you think that Unfinished Business shines? Because if you look at Unfinished Business, Showtime 2.0, and you look at Hellbent, yep. they're all similar, but they're all very different at the same time. That's exactly um, right. Well, you know, how, how does that car do? Like, or where does that car shine? Let me ask that. So Unfinished Business, of course, it's built with a great parts list. I mean, mm-hmm. my opinion for the power it's got uh, – about 780 to 850 is around about, you know, flywheel horsepower on that machine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it. I don't think you could break that buggy as in drivetrain part wise. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, you, anything could break or hit hit a tree or so, 40 mile an hour. But um, yeah. <laughs> I would say compared to Hellbent, which is a machine that's got almost double the power, um, unfinished business has got eight more inches of ground clearance under the belly. Wow. The wheelbase is about six inches shorter. So if I was going to have my choice on Hellbent or Unfinished Business at, say, a park like um, AOP mm-hmm. or some some park that's got real tall, big big ledges, mm-hmm. I would I would uh, I would take Unfinished Business over Hellbent just because of ground clearance wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, trail arms are a good bit shorter, so that's just less drag in the rear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, little things like that. But uh, in Hellbent, which don't get me wrong, I've raced, I've raced and actually won at, at uh, AOP and stuff with Hellbent. It's just mm-hmm. you got to have in have in your mind, I guess, as a racer, knowing that anything, any ledge, pretty much higher than probably two foot, mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna hit. It's gonna hit the belly. It's gonna hit the trail arms. You need to maintain that momentum to to drag over. Yeah, and and it's so funny because you know you you mentioned it. They're they're just subtle differences. They're they're yep. just so subtle and and yeah, I actually have a picture of both cars pulled up on my screen right now and you know you wouldn't even notice the fact that it's shorter but when you say it's shorter you can tell the wheelbase is shorter and yep. the angle of the trailing arms and and it's it's pretty pretty amazing um, and I guess that that kind of takes me into the the next question here when you how do you I just well, let's let's open in this how do you design a buggy because they end up a little different every time and they all work beautifully but like how does that process go you know i get asked that a lot just just by you know fans online and stuff mm-hmm. and won't, won't know if i use like a bentec program or anything and i i don't know it probably, probably ain't the right way but i guess i've been just lucky <laughs> in the works but i've really just more redneck guests kind of lean towards the common sense side of things mm-hmm. um i start out with my motor transmission transfer case i, I got a little stand i built i set it on the stand and then I literally, literally, you know, bend some frame rails in there and mount everything and uh, pretty much mount the seat and build around it. And then set my axles all at full bump where I can kind of eyeball where my links are going to be and uh, pretty much lay the wheelbase out and just kind of kind of go from there. Um, and all that's, just, luckily, it all just falls together. Yeah, that's first off, that's a really like amazing strategy that that it, that it comes together in the way it does because you know a, a lot of times um, I think the earlier buggies. The, the looks and the aesthetic was 
not, I don't want to say more important than performance, but it seems like the look and the aesthetic was, you know, it was oh, definitely yeah. weighed in a lot more. Yes. And yes. I think that we're seeing, you know, the shift um, in all the buggies that are coming out now, they're performance vehicles. You know, it's less yep. the design, more geared towards, you know, the purpose built. That's the word that everybody that's, wants to use. Yep. That's definitely, definitely my last, let's see, my last at least four have been, even though I try to make them look good, but, you know, it, it's hard to make something look good getting the seat low as you can. And mm-hmm. the shock hoops are, of course, rammed up in your face because you're trying to get up travel on the front end. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, I guess you'd kind of say low center of gravity, low belly pan, low seat, a lot of up travel. It, it's hard It's hard to make that mix with a good combination. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so for perspective here, I actually jumped in hellbent at the Unlimited Off-Road Expo. Yep, yep. And that was one thing I was going to bring up was – how you see out of that thing? I mean, are you yeah. driving, looking, you know, 500 feet in front of you, 100 feet in front of you? You know, you know, it, I, I, that was one of my main focuses on my new build, which we'll get, we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, I would say yes, for sure. Say so when I leave the start line, you, at least me, I, I am focusing on 50 plus foot in front of me. Um, and most of the time, if we're you know if we're in a rock pile or something, just try to try to try to remember, try to remember and, and kind of kind of look look out the driver's side and look down the tire and just kind of get a good good gist of what's happening before you get there. But um, in the woods, the only thing is just it sucks, you know, in the woods and in tight turns, you almost really drive by feel. Um, yeah. Uh, which you know, my last few have been that way. Is you know, it's not it's not just hell bent, but uh. <sighs> The thing about Hellbent having so much power, you know, you hit the gas, you're pretty much that 50 foot is pretty much gone quick. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, but, go ahead. No, but you know, like I was saying, just yeah, 50, 60 foot out is just what to try to try to maintain and remember to do. But so let me ask you this. So uh, I, I went back and I, it's funny. I was watching the evolution of Tin Cameron. Uh, it's the it's a Mad Ram video, Mad Ram 11 on YouTube. Everybody knows who that is. Um, go watch this video because. Uh, as we're sitting here talking, it's a good opportunity to go look and see how the buggies have changed over the years. Um, I see that y- you had a couple one-seater center seat buggies, and it's funny. I actually talked to Anthony Yant and about uh, – I actually have – roll this back a little bit. I got Anthony Yant's RS1, which actually I believe uh, at one point was your RS1 because I've uh, I've got a title with your name on it. Oh, really? and, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that bl- the it's a black RS1. So Yep, yep. It's uh it's funny how everything kind of spins around there. Yep. But um you know, I mentioned to him that I've always sat in two seaters. I had a two seater rock bouncer uh razor in two seat everything and when you get sit in the middle and you have both tires and wheels, you just get real displaced and it's hard to kind of figure out where you are in relation to the terrain. And I know that you've had a couple of single seat buggies where you're in the middle, um, and obviously you haven't you haven't had that many. So I would assume that you prefer the two seat. Um, tell me a little bit about that. What made you what makes you more comfortable in a two seat? Yeah, well, yes, I, I have had a few center seat, and my personal opinion, uh, especially racing wise, I think center seat is better. I think it's an advantage, mm-hmm. um, being. Peripheral vision wise is equal on both directions, mm-hmm. um, but if you sit in the center, most of most of the time, you know, you sit on top of the T case, sit on top of the tranny. So that that right there, right out the gate, it's at least nine to ten inches of uh, of center of gravity, for, at least for the seat and your bo- 
body feel like the way everything feels, you know, in my opinion. Um, so that's why majority of my latest race vehicles have been, I guess you'd say, two-seater width chassis, mm-hmm. but sit, sitting down on the driver's side, sitting down beside the T-case just to just to get that center gravity to feel better in for, you know, for my person. Yeah, now I hadn't, I really hadn't even put two and two together on that one, and that's a, that's an excellent reason. Um, we're just blazing through everything, cause I, I have so much to ask you, and I know that there's, everybody's listening out there hoping that this one's gonna be a three hour episode, <laughs> cause there's so much out here. Um, let's talk, uh, IFS. Uh, you had, uh, um, um, a moneymaker. Um, Tell me about it, because I heard you in an interview say that moneymaker suspension worked too good. Um, you know, I kind of need a little bit more explanation about what you thought about that car. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. It from what, from what I remember, yes, because you know it's been a while. I've, I've done a lot of done a lot of riding since then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it um, no, it, it it worked great. Uh, the only issue that I remember running to is it didn't turn tight. Um, yeah. It definitely okay. didn't turn tight compared to. The way we're setting solid axle stuff up now, um, and I wouldn't. Don't get me wrong. It, it worked. It worked amazing. I thought. I thought. It, I thought it worked great. But you know, I, I built that thing, um, and it would come come into that race season, and so there was no seat. Time, there was hard no seat time. There wasn't, there wasn't enough time for me to get everything adjusted to where I thought it needed to be to be competitive, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the points race scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that it could have been tuned to where I could have made minor adjustments looking at the course beforehand if if I wanted to jump over an obstacle or, or use this rock to jump over that rock. Because, mm-hmm. um, of course, whenever I went out and tuned it and played with it just for those few few days before that event, mm-hmm. um, at Stony Lonesome, I believe where we was at, um, it, was, it was just soft. Don't get me wrong, it was, ama- it was great. It was amazing. It was awesome. Um and just so happened, one of, I think it was Hill 2, uh, it was one of the hills where there was a literally five or six foot 90 degree ledge, and there was like a little two footer right in front of it, and majority of the guys were using that two footer to absolutely clear that w- little, that little five or six foot ledge. Mm-hmm. I cleared it, but it barely cleared it, like almost didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was what I was saying about, like it worked too good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, I still think IFS can be. I really think it can still be done here on the on the East Coast and hold up. You know, of course, someone's going to have to put the time in and make sure to get with the right people and and get mm-hmm. the right stuff built. Uh, uh, heck, I was even watching a few weeks ago the Ultra Four Nationals, the championship, and man, those guys they're hitting that hitting those rock pile that rock pile at like forty fifty mile an hour. Still leaving enough throttle left to, to to kind of get through it, but it is that's brutal. That's, in my opinion, that's brutal. That's rough on stuff. Uh, you know, me and Lauren, we're, we're uh, Healy, we're good buddies. We talk talk here and there, and man, it uh, it, it's it's pretty amazing to listen to some of his stories and and about how how tough some of that stuff actually really is. Um, but I, you know, I, I still think it can be done. Just it's going to take someone to want to put the time and effort into want to try it. You know, and of course, you know it's. It's definitely a little bit more expensive to go that route, especially if you try to get a desert kit or some kind of bulkhead kit and A-arms to, to kind of go off of. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I interviewed Cody Wagner from the LaserNut team and about the independent all the way around. And, you know, of course, whoever's car it is will swear up and down by it. But not only that, you know, he kind of mentioned the fact that, 
you know, someone has to be the pioneer. Someone has to design the car. That's right. Someone's got to be the person to, you know, he, for example, has found out everything that can go wrong with that car. And, you know, someone like Jordan Pellegrino comes back and goes to the same manufacturer and says, hey, I don't want independent rear, but I want independent front. You know, what do we do? And they have, you know, an entire car's worth of experience now building it. That's right. Uh, I, I agree with you in the sense that someone's got to take the bullet. And, um, you know, I've kind of hinted at it on the show before, but uh, there are talks of a fully independent uh, rock bouncer being built. Um, yep. And, and, you know, I know that it's it's been done before, but it's, you know, I'm, hearing winds of different things and things like that. But uh, I would be really excited to see, you know, someone branch out again. Oh, yeah. And and that kind of take, even takes me to the next thing is, uh, I don't know, uh, was it 2018 season where you had leading arms? Oh, uh, yes, correct. Okay. That's, um, I believe that is right. Okay, so when Hellbent first came out, it came out with leading arms, for those who aren't aware of what I'm talking about. And basically leading arms are just trailing arms on the front, um, and, and there's a nice front sway bar on there uh, to keep everything in control. Uh, you raced it in, I can't recall where, maybe Texas or something, somewhere. Yep. And uh, I know you said you got a, you had a steering issue with it, but, you know, it looked like you hit a 10-foot rock, and the front end just completely twisted sideways, but it's <laughs> right. up for the most part, kind of. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you made it up the top of that, but uh, what did you think about the leading arm car? Yeah, well, uh, let's back up this a little bit. So during that, I guess, so 18, no, I guess it has been the 17. So after 17 was over, um, Brandon had gotten unfinished business, and then I built, over the winter, I built uh Stand back. Okay. Which stand back was the one with the leading arms. So yeah, stand back had the big block, pretty much hell bent's whole drivetrain. Mm-hmm. All right. So I went out and uh, you know we raced, raced that first race at Texas, mm-hmm. and the leading arm it worked, it worked awesome. It actually worked really, really well. I thought it was a good way to to help on visibility because uh, instead of running a 16 inch shock in the front, I was running a 12 inch shock, but still getting the same amount of wheel travel with the tire. That's amazing. Um, and being able to get the shot coops way down, like six or seven inches lower than they are, I guess you'd say, on a eight, 16 to 18 inch shot vehicle in the front. Um, anyway, but so I thought it worked great. It could have been sway bar could have been tightened up a little bit. It was a little bit uh, spongy and soft, but that, the most time that's how I like my stuff set up anyway. Mm-hmm. But so leading arm wise, it worked great. Um, more about the buggy um, uh, stand back. At, on Hill 2 in Texas, if you notice, uh, <clears throat> I broke the rear end. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember. I was running those, the, the torques, the all billet thirds, you know, it, it appeared to be a really nice product, and I, I wanted to try it out, and, but it had, had a little bit of failure, and, um, of course, came back home, fixed it, was going to try it again, went to Winrock, uh, Winrock, won that event, uh, then the next race after was Wildcat, and, um, it broke ring gear again in the back. Mm. So that's, we had like a, uh, it was a, it was a five week break. And that's whenever I stripped that buggy down and turned and just built a whole new chassis and just and built, you know, that's where we come up with Hellbent. Gotcha. And that was the Torque Motorsports, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes, sir. Gotcha. I, I, I always want to differentiate because of, you know, the big social media issue about oh, the yeah. doctors. And I try to keep Torque Masters. We did an interview yep, with right, Yep, yep. 
absolutely awesome. I, I want to just distinguish to the listeners: it was the orange Torque Motorsports, that's right, uh, and and not the green Torque Masters. Yeah, Torque well, yeah, it wasn't. It was not Cora and them with with uh, yeah, Torque Locker and all them for sure. Okay, um, well, yeah, that's that definitely makes sense, and, and that you know it's so funny because the stand back and hellbent resemble each other but again as soon as you said something i have a picture pulled up and uh, of course i'll include all these in the facebook post and the instagram post so when you go listen you can find these pictures um what did you do with those uh those big old tires that you had on there because you had some meat uh on stand back those, yeah, those those are yeah just they're 44 cut boggers and um the i've always ran the 43sx at least for the past few years you know um Especially ever since I've gotten on board with Co. Um and I wanted to try the bogger. Uh, we we had went we had went to a few events where it was all dirt, and I knew I knew the buggy had a lot of power, more power than any uh, any other machine I've had, and uh, I was wanting to try the bogger just, just to see if that forward lateral tread was going to be any beneficial at all. And um, mm-hmm. it, it it was. It, it, I almost think it got too much traction. Um, really. Yep, yep. Uh only thing about the bogger in my opinion is uh just a little bit thin in the sidewall, so that's that's what that's what it was ordered me to go back to the old faithful SX. That thing is it's thick and it's a it's a tough tire, even though we cut it to the cords in the in between the tread, but mm-hmm. still just it hangs in there and you think it just ripped right apart, but pretty amazing tire and it's uh it's held up well for me. Speaking of which, uh what do you think about the new megas? You know, they uh I, I talked to to Joey, my uh, my sponsor guy at Interco, about them, and that tire is. I really think that's going to be one of the next big things, uh, especially for a few guys who get a few different sets of tires to have, depending on what the event and the course is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's because uh, you never know what we're going to race. You know, I'm sure you've seen the videos this past this past year. You know, sometimes we was on some crazy waterfall stuff, or, or you know, we might be over here on a big dirt hill. So mm-hmm. that that'd be another option to having the trailer just to, just in case, depending on what the course was going to be. So I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question about those tires. Um, does everyone have enough power to turn them is first question. And then second, is everyone's drivetrain capable of holding on to those tires? Because uh, I saw pictures today, and there was a $100 bill laying next to a tread block, and you can barely see the top of that $100 bill coming over yep. the tread block. That's oh, a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I would say, you know, not everyone has got the power – to, to turn them as in, like I would say, turn them and be competitive. Right. Um, but majority nowadays, and you know, racing wise, has got plenty of power to do so. Uh, most what drivetrain would probably be fine as long as it was drove, you know, with some respect. Mm-hmm. You know, any, anything can be broken if it's yeah. drove hard enough. But um, so yeah, I, I, I would I would say we'll see some out this year. Uh, you know, just like. Like Shane and the Gold Rush buggy, that that yeah. I mean that thing's an absolute monster. Like, yeah, I, I, uh, I. It's funny when they right when they released them, the first thing I did is man, it'd be awesome if some buggy with enough power would uh, would run these. And I tagged him in the post, and uh, hopefully we'll see him get those bad boys spinning around. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, That'd be great. And, uh, you know, I think he's been running the the USD. He, I talked, I've talked to him about it. He he, he loves that tire. He um. He says it actually calmed his buggy down a little bit, just you know where he can feel the power get to the ground, and and uh, which you know so that maybe that's what he needed, just a little bit heavier tire, just to make it feel more controllable. And of course, you know, I, I try to help Shane out as much as I can. We talk a lot, walk the hills, and look at everything. And mm-hmm. he's a he's he's a real nice guy. Him, him, and his brother-in-law, you know, Matt. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, I met I Shane did an interview with me months ago, and uh, man, he he. If one thing, he feels like he's got to prove himself. And I, I tell you, man, uh, one thing, if I've learned anything about talking to these drivers is, uh, I feel like nobody actually feels like he needs to prove himself. Everybody just wants to get out there and have a good time. And, yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. Uh, it's been, that, that's been my favorite thing to, to learn about talking to everybody is just how supportive everybody is. And, uh, especially here recently, um, I had two or three people reach out to me because I, you know, being the guy that's on the podcast all the time, people hear me, talk about, oh, I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that and uh had a couple of people offer safety equipment and all this and that so I could get to race this weekend. So um thank you to everybody who's done that for me. Um but uh going back to the buggies, uh rear steer. It yep. seems to be uh really, really helpful if you can do it. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> it seems not to be if you can't. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh oh yeah, I've definitely I've definitely seen it go both ways. Uh, not so much in the, I guess you'd say, racing world, but back in the day when we used to do all that wild hill climbing, it was, I've seen it get some boys in some, some bad situations for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. especially before they came out with all the, the nice stuff like they do nowadays with the self center. Yeah, that would, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't get into off-road until, um, I was probably 16, parents bought me a Jeep and, you know, just started from there, but, yeah. uh, it's crazy to think that there wasn't a self-centering option right out of the gate because that's one thing that I, if you go back and watch videos of you, you know, you kind of may give a glance back, but your hand is always on the rear steer. And if you're going to use it, you, you just got this, you know, it's kind of like just feeling your car and yeah, you can right. always see that you're making that final little adjustment to make sure everything's straight in there. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'm sure the self-center was around just because there were monster trucks around. It yeah. Just, you know how it is, this technology and everything, I guess, wasn't over into kind of what we do or, or you know, we weren't really racing, so we weren't exactly worried about it getting back to the center, you know, as soon as possible and, you know, little stuff like that. But, um, but rear steer is definitely beneficial, in my opinion. I, I think every racer should have it. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that don't have it and say they don't need it, uh, and, and they, they, but they, they, they do well. They do well without it. Um, but there's always that that time, that moment where there'll be a sharp turn in the course, and I mean they'll be the first one to cry about it a little bit. And, but, you know, <laughs> I agree I, with you. you know, uh, and that that, that kind of that's a that's a that's a pretty decent segue into another question is uh, uh, the the race courses that you've seen this year. I know that you you got out and you you uh, raced a couple different series this year, and um, you got out. It, it seems that. Trying to think about how I want to kind of lead into all this. It seems that the courses are turning more into long range, high horsepower hills. Yep. Uh, I know the Hawk Pride was a good one this year. It was a good mix up for everybody. That's right. Um, but you know, you look at, uh, like Race to Riches is a good one. Um, I feel like Wildcat is kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few that are in the middle, but, uh, we're definitely seeing a shift to longer, more drag race or, uh, you know, climb the hill, go up through the woods, turn around and do this and that. Okay. Um, do, you, do you like that versus more along the old style where it was more bounty hill style? You know, me personally, um, for the amount of money that we that we have in, in a machine to build it to that to a competitive level, mm-hmm. um, compared to the amount of money that we are out there trying to win, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I personally. And don't get me wrong, I, I've done it. Well, you know, a couple races this past year were absolutely full-blown bounty. I mean, one uh-huh. of them, no one even climbed. Right. But, uh, 
uh, I, I like I like more fast paced, you know, b- bunch of turns. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much where it comes back down to to driver. I mean, you know, you can anybody can just point their buggy, and hold it on the floor, and go straight. Uh, yep. But it's awesome to ha- to maybe do that, have some turns, come back down, and have some whoopty whoops, have, have whatever. And uh, and I also think the crowd loves to hear the motor screaming instead of instead of uh, everyone getting up there and getting denied as an obstacle. And yeah, I agree um, with you. What what was the um, what was the race this season where you blew your mo- blew your motor out? Because uh, where was that at? Yeah, it was at um, it was an outlaw race, flat and nasty. Yeah. Okay, flat nasty. Um, that video that I got a chance to watch was probably one of my favorites because that's the only time that I've seen where you know I think Mid America they do a similar race because uh, they have a similar hill setup. But um, that whole where you're coming across the crowd screaming going yeah, to the farthest yeah. other side of the hill. I mean, as a spectator, that's one of the most you know lively things and engaging things that you can do. I feel like that would also be more fun to drive as well. Yep. What do you think? Oh, yeah. is, is that your perfect course right there? Yeah, yeah, that stuff like that's what I love. And, you know, majority of the time, uh, it, it's kind of spoiled me in a way, too. But major, majority of the time, stuff like that, you bring the buggy home, wash it off, quick bolt check, put up a gas, ready to go again. Yep. yep. Like, yep. like literally just ready to go, you know, so – and on the flip side of that, then you have AOP, where it's you might not walk away with your with your life yeah, on some of those right. hills. That's right. That's right. And, uh, but I don't know. At least, and, and they're, they're, you know, there's also guys that they're, it's the other way around. Like they they like it to be a uh, real real rough, and uh, so that's really that's just why I try to build my machine tough enough to where whenever we have one of those situations, I can just do my best to to push through it and. Um, you know, me and me and Bubba Bacon, we've uh, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, most of the time, if it's bound, most if it's real rough, bounty style, and or wet and rainy, most of the time, it it uh, even though we don't want to do it, but most of the time we end up, you know, progressing and doing and doing well. It just mm-hmm. just takes a little bit more toll and a little more beating on the machine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of steer back towards the machines for a minute. Um, what's the favorite your favorite machine you've ever built? Racing, trail riding, all of it. What's the, what's the best one? You're not the best, but just the one that yeah. holds the best place in your heart. Um, I would say racing. It would have to be. It have to be what I got now. Hellbent. Awesome. You know, unfinished business. Um, I wish I knew the exact number. Uh, see, I raced unfinished unfinished business two years, won mm-hmm. two championships, and also Hellbent was two years, two championships. Um, I don't know the race winning number. Mm-hmm. Probably hell bent just because last year that I raced a whole other series. You know that it was the Dirty Turtle Buster Shell mm-hmm. series. Yeah. So I hell bent probably has the more wins, but um, I would say hell bent over unfinished just because of rear steer and having just having a little bit more advantage. So trail riding in your early days, when you look back, what's the what's the what's the buggy that gives you the best memories? Yeah, the best I'd say wildest memories would either be either be Fat Girl or Showtime One, the red the red one, the red buggy. Showtime One is uh, probably it, it is the most famous rock yeah. bouncer quite possibly ever. Yeah, that's uh, I did a lot of that's for sure the buggy I did the most wildest and golly I, I don't even know how to explain it, but there was probably a time. Like if I was trying to climb something and was getting denied, 
I don't even know how to really even say this, but uh, I mean, I didn't have no care, almost like no care for life. I was climbing a hill no matter what period. Wow. Yeah, I I I, I can't relate to that at all, but I can, but I can I can un, I can sympathize with it. I guess. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. Just I don't know. I just they speak. Well, I still am very very competitive, but mm-hmm. I was big time when it come to back then when it was come to climbing something. Like I would just no regard whatever it took need to happen. Is it because you were younger? You think? Probably. I mean, <laughs> I guess. And I don't, I don't know. Late, I guess. I've always just loved off-road and just enjoyed it. Um, it's just it's pretty much what I live and breathe, and it's all it's all it's all I do besides the car wash. One thing we hadn't talked about is uh, Ultra Bouncer. Oh, yep, yep. Tell me just a little bit about it. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? As all you've right. had more advanced vehicles now, what do you think about Ultra Bouncer? Well, I can kind of tell you how that happened, or I got in, how I got into wanting to do something yeah. like that. Uh, we was at Hot Springs, Arkansas, at one of the one of the events. Um, I wasn't even there racing. I think I was there just hanging out because it was an Ultra Four, one of their events. And Slauson was there, Randy Slauson in a bomber, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, Cole Shirley was there filming, and he had rode with Slauson because I didn't really know nothing. I didn't know what no bypass shock was. I didn't know, I, you know, I was used to running. What I did, what we normally did was buy a coal over from whoever, from and, uh, <laughs> and, and literally bolt it on. Yeah. Guess it's spring rate, no valve and no nothing. Pretty much rode, you know, rode like an absolute log wagon and just whatever, just just go with the bounce and do best you could. Well, That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so Shirley, Cole Shirley, introduced me to Randy Spawson, and he's like, he's like, dude, you got to ride in this thing. I was like, well, heck yeah, let's do it. And uh, so I got in. I met Sloss and talked to him a little bit, looked over everything because it was completely different than anything I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't even know what a bypass was. He kind of we talked about it, explained to me what a bypass was and how it worked. Blah blah blah. I got in it, and I I can't I can't even couldn't even explain. Like I've never felt something just you know the way it rode. We was hitting stuff two and a half foot deep and literally literally couldn't even feel it. You can see the tire moving, but you didn't feel it in the chassis. And that was the biggest eye-opener to me uh, ever in my – all the way up until then. I was I was, I was blown away. So I, I, I went home. I think I had Game Changer at the time. Mm-hmm. I went home and kind of reworked and started all the way over, and I wanted to do something big power, um, more set up with a little bit of weight in the back, kind of like a, kind of like a Razor because I was – you know, I was back when we was – Real big into hill climbing and UTVs, which I still am, but, uh, you know, back, you know, anyway. But, so I want to do something rear engine, uh, and, and I went with bypass shocks, and that's kind of what I come up with. Um, and it's, 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 it hasn't slowed down since. My, I just keep, my mind's all about suspension, just mm-hmm. more wheel travel, just trying different things, bigger diameter shocks, bigger diameter bypass tubes, just mm-hmm. I mean, dr- drilling holes in, in, in the bypass valves, and, it's just, I don't know. I'm always trying to just trying to rework things and try to yeah. stuff in there. If it, if it works, cool. If it don't work, ain't no problem. Just, just yeah. go back. Go, go back. Let me ask you this. Uh, you said it was, you know, it, it, it was uh, ultra bouncer mid engine or completely in the rear. You know, I would yeah, completely in the rear, pretty much. Okay. Because okay. I I can remember building it, and I, I wanted to get it more in the center, but I, I wasn't. That that wasn't those were the days where I really wasn't racing yet. I was still hill climbing, so I was wanting the motor in the back uh, just so I could see better. 
and and have a little more a little more pressure on the rear. But at the same time, I didn't want to push the seat all the way to the front. So like the end, when you get up there and the, and the thing jumps up 11 or 12 o'clock and you gotta try to save it. I mean, golly, I was always I was afraid I would feel weird with my body being yeah thrown like around like a pendulum, like so high up in the air if that thing ever stands up on a ledge. Yeah, so I was so used to ha- so used to sitting back about midway, maybe even a little bit more closer to the rear tire. Um, so <laughs> that's what I come up with. And, and don't get me wrong, it's a fun, cool buggy, but it's not. It's you know, it, it wouldn't it's, be competitive. In yeah, the, like nowadays, in my in my opinion. Yeah, dated technology. Now, something that people always seem to miss here is you know they hear Ultra Balancer had a thousand horsepower. Uh, that's not out of the realm of what buggies are pushing nowadays at all. Oh, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you know, everybody just hears that and like, oh, well, they need to build another ultra bouncer, and it's just like no, no one seems to understand that, uh, you know, oh, yeah. that had its place in time, but that's it's, right, correct. It's gotten better. It's oh gotten yeah, better. yeah, like, you know, heck, the thousand horsepower is, I'd say, over half the field. Over half the field is for sure, nah, eight fifty, nine hundred plus, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so one more uh, design question I had for you is, is I don't see anyone really running, uh, you know, it, it was what was a suck-down winch, but th- there used to just be a limit strap there to keep the front end from pushing away on itself. Yeah. I don't really see guys using that anymore. Why is that the case? You know, I can remember doing it uh, trail riding only, though. Uh, the reason I used to do it is, like, whenever you jump up there, or climbing something big, steep, or crawling up on a ledge. We just mm-hmm. never wanted the suspension to unload and get the almost like get that out of balance feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff we was climbing was literally so steep that um, it, was, it almost helped to use that limit strap to use the front axle to help hold the front end down. Yeah, yeah. Um, one one thing I actually heard Ian Johnson on Extreme Four by Four one day. I heard him say he kind of explained the fact that there becomes a point where you start to lean back so much that the axle actually starts pushing the body of the like the chassis away and back off the hill and that's why you use that and uh it it really just made sense to me and i always wondered um so would you say the reason that people don't do that now is because you know you actually want the usability of the suspension or the hill is different yeah um the hills definitely there are no different um i would say the way stuff designed now at least the way i do mine um like the way I, the way I just designed my rear suspension put to apply so much pressure to the ground and you know, this and I squat and whatnot it sucks the buggy like almost like hugs the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can maintain any momentum whatsoever, it most of the time it keeps my suspension stuck down anyway. Um, but I got my, my front end; it's limit strapped loose, so it's the only time a strap catches is probably about a half inch before the shocks at full extension. Gotcha, and that makes sense. Okay, so. Uh, we're we're just barking about to bark on an hour here, so we're going to start. Or we're at forty five minutes or so. Um, we're going to start kind of rolling through some questions, so I don't keep you all night. Um, oh no, you, I can talk however long you want to. Ain't no hurry. All right, well, I'll take you up on it. <laughs> um, so tell me, tell me about the new buggy. Uh, you know, for the listeners, you know, hey, there's a, if there's only so much you can say, there's only so yeah. much you can. Say. I'm not going to press you for it. Oh, I know. Uh, but what you, know, you, you got? Well, of course, everyone knows. Majority of the time. Every time I build something, I always try to keep it under the wraps, you know, until, you know, because I always try to make it uh, like a, a reveal, kind of like, um, kind of like just something, something different. Instead of me posting build pics as I go, I just kind of do like a, a reveal video. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can definitely talk about it a little bit. Uh, so 
it's single seat and it's uh it's definitely it's definitely race purpose built. Um it is very similar to Hellbent, uh same wheelbase, uh same power numbers, same transmission which is a power glide, same transfer case as SCS. Um I got hooked up with Radflow for 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 twenty nineteen. I'm sorry, for the twenty twenty season. So it's got a uh, Radflow Glenn, they built me some custom bypass shocks and the coilovers. It's pretty neat to actually work with someone who would step out the box and build what I wanted to build, like tube size and tube layout. So that was that's definitely an exciting something different compared to what I've ever had, you know. Most of the picture of them, there's some good looking shocks. Yep, yeah, they uh that thing is pretty big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's why I tried to post a picture to show it, but I mean, mo- I'm, most people know I'm not really a big person. But, uh, but that, yeah, that, that shock is big. It's, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, what else about it? Um, I lowered fuel, fuel. The amount of fuel it's going to be toting. Uh, you know, hell bent. It's got like 20 gallons, and it's just it's not needed for for yeah. a racing application for the top style racing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to cut weight a little bit, uh, which I was able to. I was able to lose about 400 pounds compared wow. to, to Hellbent. So that was that was that was cool. Something different. Yeah. Um, it, it will be rear steer. Um, any race rig I built known probably be rear steer just because, you know, if you don't got it, there, there's always going to be a time where the people putting the event on that they want to try to make something unique and different and make people think and wonder, uh, you know. Instead of having a straight shot, they want to make it where it comes down a little more driver. So, you know, just try, try to throw some sharp turns in there. Well, I want to be able to take you know, full advantage as I can. Yeah. And even if you don't use it, you know, it's, it, to me it's like Batman having an extra tool on his belt, you know? Yep, that's right. That's right. You don't use it, you don't use it, but we're yep. there when you need it. And then a few guys, they've always, or some I've talked to, they've been afraid to build it. And it and it, and it comes to like a hinder point, kind of like, um, say, if a hose breaks. Or that electric self-center valve. It, I mean, it could malfunction in full lock one direction. You know, it could. I've seen it happen. Um, what I've always wanted to do, I never have done it, but I've wanted to build a block-off bar where if I looked at the course, I was like, okay, I probably ain't going to need it. Put that bar in there. That way it, it's, it'd pretty much be like a solid axle. It could not right. hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty That's pretty genius. Yeah, just, you know, I've actually built some little little clamps to go on my cylinder for Hellbent to uh, – to limit the travel, where out of way, if something ever did happen, at least it wouldn't full lock all the way in one direction. Mm-hmm. But I bet luck I was fortunate to not have, not have no issues out of it. But yeah. anything can happen. But back yeah. to the, the new build. Um, let's see here. Like wheel travel numbers, uh, very similar to Hellbent um, front and rear. Uh, one of my one of my main goals were was visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, like out straight out the front, which was. That was my biggest or hardest thing to overcome because I'm so used to, or my last few builds, I'm so used to having 10, 11 inches of travel in the front. And I've gotten used to the way that, the way it acts. I knew how hard I could hit something before it blow through the travel, hit the bump stop, and put all the energy into the chassis. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to give up all of that up travel to have all that visibility, but I wanted to give up a little bit just because I feel like, in my opinion, that um, competition's gotten so good, which everyone knows that. Uh, I feel like that I need to be able to see better to take either, either not necessarily a better line, but be faster, like faster in trees, faster through rock gaps. Um, 
So I just, I, I wanted to, I wanted to step towards the visibility side, and I'm gonna, I am gonna sacrifice a little bit of up travel in the front. But that's just, that's just part of it, and I'm gonna try it. If I, if I like it, cool. If I don't like it, then I try to modify and make, some, you know, change it. It's not, ain't no big deal to me. Yeah, and and again, you know, as as someone who's who's got their head in your buggy, uh, that amount of visibility, anything that you're gonna gain from what it was is going to be beneficial because yep, that's right. That's right. I, I remember when I was looking out, you know, you're not even really looking, you know, over the shock hoops. You're actually looking right. through the shock hoops. That's right, right through. Yep. There's a, yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. It's probably about a, <laughs> I'd say 10 inch tall, maybe, and probably about six inches wide, like a little, almost mm-hmm. like a square, uh triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Uh well that's great. Uh thank you for that information. And now I'm assuming you're gonna be running uh the same SX on there yep. and all that good stuff. Yep, same same interco SX sticky tire, uh trail ready wheels, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, oh ran you know, Andy Overson, Overson engineering I've always ran their C and knuckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, his same his double high steer arms. Just you know, little stuff like that. Just I've knock on wood had good luck out of and yeah. It's uh it's, you know, you know, it's, it's worked for me, so I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it. Well, it seems like you have found this formula where people, you know, are still having question marks and kind of figuring out exactly what they want to do for certain parts. You know, you've kind of eliminated things about knuckles, things about steering, things about trailing arms, you know, where these people are still developing uh, and, and kind of doing their own R&D. You know, you've got the formula figured out for the easy parts and the hard parts. Uh, now, you know, you just – Something I really appreciate as I'm sitting here listening to you, um, and you mentioned it earlier, but you take a very common sense, very logical approach to it in terms of, okay, you know, you look at Hellbent, what's the major issue? Okay, uh, it's, you know, air, line of sight, and then that's the first thing you're going to tackle on this one. Uh, it just seems logical in the design. It seems logical in the approach to fixing issues. So I think that there's something to be said for, you know, taking – I don't want, I don't want to – I got air quotes for scientific oh, and, yeah. you know, approach to things. And, you know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And if there's an issue, do the best you can and use your brain. And, uh, that's right. That's right. It's a long way. Yeah, it's like anything. I mean, there there's never a perfect formula. And, you know, I don't think, especially in what we do. Um, I mean, some of the stuff, one race, we, we may be climbing, you know, literally a vertical wall. Mm-hmm. And the next race, we may be full bore, flat ground, fast the vehicle go. 90 degree turn up a five foot ledge at 60 percent of the of the field might not even make it. Um, yeah, I just you just don't, don't ever know. It's 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 fun. It's but it it makes it interesting. That's for sure. So let's talk about um, race courses and let's talk about uh, you know we kind of mentioned earlier what you like and it's that you know climbs through the woods and turns come back down kind of that that flat nasty race. Um, how do you what, what do you think about the, the we'll, we'll use Southern Rock Racing Series because you were at their races all year. Um, the one thing I noticed, and and you know, again, I'm totally unbiased. I'm not a part of anything or anything like that. Yep, uh, yep. It seems like all the series are running the same locations and running the same hills. What do you think? Yep. About it? I've noticed that. You know, a lot of people probably think that I I talk to the series or you know the people putting the event on and all this <laughs> and that. Yeah. But I literally, I don't, I don't ever talk to no one. Uh, I talked to Brandon Davis a little bit, Bubba Bacon, you know, I talked to a few of the racers and yeah. heck, that's really about it. And I, 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 I'll, I'll see the live feed of when they, when they do the name drawing 
mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll I'll I get there. A lot of times I will get there early. Like I get there Wednesday or Thursday, because we race UTVs on Friday. But um, I get there Wednesday or Thursday, and I'll most of the time I ain't even get the course picked out. Uh, and and yeah. then I'll see what they're going to run, and that's kind of where it goes from there. Where I just kind of just see what's going on. But um, you know I. I I never really been against um, anything that I'd say any of the series have have raced or or done, but uh, I just don't like it where when someone picks a hill kind of like well like that 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 thing at Blue Holler the waterfall that um, yeah yeah you know you know what I'm talking about yep I just I feel like that us as racers we want to go out here and we we want to be competitive with each other mm-hmm. um. We're trying to go fast to see who can drive the fastest through through whatever, through a through trees up a steep crazy dirt hill with some turns, something that's going to take skill instead of um, I guess you'd say more like a luck bounce, right? Um, something that someone could do over and over again and not just hit and make it lucky and it happened one one time out of ten. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just me though. There's a you know but you know there's, everyone's got their own opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like when it comes down to, you know, driver, machine, mm-hmm. and just maybe a little bit of luck here and there, and just go. But yeah. um, so that that blue holler waterfall, yep. you think it was just too much for to race on? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, whenever we came into that event, we, we, I heard it was going to be that waterfall because uh, I was only like. An hour and a half from my house, so I, I didn't go up there till Thursday. Got there, rode down there. I mean, as soon as I looked at it, I wasn't even out of my razor yet. I looked over at it, and I already knew right then that there's no way. That's my opinion. The way that our race machines are built now, that there is, I'm sure there is a machine that would go right up that waterfall, but it's going to have to be something with huge tires and 30 inch belly. But yeah. uh, uh, I, I, in my opinion, I knew right then that it's going to be very, very limited, if anyone, to climb it. Oh, um, especially right off the middle. Now, Lil Tim Bacon, the way he skirted the side, that right there, you know, in my in my opinion, again, that, I mean, that's going around. That's kind of going around the obstacle. But um, mm-hmm. um, I just I just don't think no one's going to go right up that thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you, um, especially from the bouncer side. And then you see, um, you know, uh, the the massive wrecks that happened. I mean, you know, yeah. someone tries to go for it. And you know he he put he put his entire machine on the line. Obviously, paid the price for it. But yep. not only that, that's a that's a pretty severe consequence on the body too. Yeah, that's right. You know, he, like you said earlier, people are going to be out there. They're going to be competitive. Uh, you know, it doesn't take that much for someone to go. Okay, well, if no one's going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, and right. uh, there's one in every group. So it's just it's to me it's um, I don't know. It, that's, it, in my opinion, it should have been a bonus line or. You know, climb yep. it and you knock a thirty second right. and it yep. off something. Yep. Yeah. And we we had talked about that. We had, we had brought that to the table before the event started. Um, and there was at least ten of us racers that we man we we weren't even going to hit that thing, but we just we, at the same time we kind of felt bad because there was all these all the crowd and all these people there that are wanting to see something happen. And but it almost it almost happened. Like there was about at least ten of us that. We we were going to break the beam, get our ten points, and go to the trailer. Go, you know, and I and I ma- I made sure that the guys you know, put that event on. I made sure that after that race was over, I, I wanted them to know that there was at least ten of us that all that almost happened with. And they, in my opinion, and 
the other other nine guys' opinion that they needed to, you know, please just make it to where we can race and be competitive and have a good time. And we're not building a hundred twenty thousand dollar machine to go out here and literally destroy it. Yeah, yeah. And so let me ask you this: Do you think that you were heard? Do you think that they, the point came across? Um, I honestly don't know. I, uh, at least they know. At least they know. They know how yeah. majority yeah. of us feel. So. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 hope, I hope so. You know. So, so let me ask you this: um, I, I, I use this podcast pretty much to pick on people who own uh, off-road parks the most. <laughs> if you own an off-road park, I, I care for you. But uh, you know, I think that DC Thompson brought up a really good point when I interviewed him. He said, you know, there's plenty of good hills to hit that are back in the woods. Yep, and, that's right. He, you know, I've, I've had uh, Joey on, and I've had other people from the promotions, and and you know, it, it's always well, we have to find the hybrid between what the racers can enjoy, where we can get everybody, and then also spectators. Um, but I oh, spoke with uh, spoke with the Hobacks, and Hobacks uh, are in charge, or uh, Colton, I believe, is head of safety, and yep. he just mentioned I got to be able to get an ambulance to someone, you know, right. and and to me, that's the that's the only really valid point I've heard, you know, because if you're coming to an off-road park, I understand you want people to be able to, you know, walk up and see the hill and enjoy it. But, you know, if you're coming to an off-road park, you, you probably have a machine. You can hit your ride. Somebody will get you there. You can walk for all that matters, you know. Yep, but yep. I think that there's plenty of hills back there that haven't been ran because, again, as someone who, um, you know, after, you know, who's going to have one race center's belt who's primarily a spectator, uh I don't really care to see y'all run the same hills over and over and over again. You know, yeah. I'd like to see y'all do something different. Oh, and yeah, I really, I you know, they're doing the up and down and the cross and things like that. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's good for the sport's longevity. Yeah. And, uh, I tell you what, like the, the, out, the outlaw guys and, mm -hmm. um, the, you know, Nick's got the bracket buster. Yeah, yeah, hey. Nick has a question for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> uh, no, but the, they have done really well. Um, this past year was uh, was kind of, I ran the complete Outlaw Series, and I ran what races I could make it to Nick's. Mm -hmm. And um, they, I think they have done a really good job at, at picking courses and doing things that does not kill your machine. And it come down, it come down to driver and skill and getting through the course as quick as possible. Um, I really think they they have done some really really fun racing, and I'm, I'm excited, excited to race for them next year. No doubt about that. Um, well, you answered his question. That makes feeling better. You answered it. Uh, he, he just wanted to know what you thought about the whole ordeal, and yep. uh, I actually got a chance to meet you at the AOP Bracket Buster, and and I thought that those were awesome hills, great spectator event. Um, it looked like they were plenty challenging, yep, and yep. you know, even hill number one, which seemed relatively easy, knocked out you know quite a few people, a couple, sure. breaks, and you know, uh, it was it was it was pretty pretty exciting to watch because it's head to head, and even, it's funny the easy hills, the easy hills are the ones that got people. Yep, that's right. You, yeah, never underestimate, underestimate anything. You know, anything can happen in this sport, that's for sure. So I got uh, one more question on the topics of off road parks, things like that. Um, to me, never been there before. Gotta, gotta be, you know, kind of the pilgrimage. I haven't been to Moab or Rubicon or anything like that, but one place I would love to go is, uh, Gray Rock. And oh, wow. Yeah. I would love to see y'all, um, hit Cable Hill in person. Yep. I'd love to see y'all hit, you know, a uh, hot tub in person. 
And if if they could artificially rebuild them and plant them somewhere else, I, I don't know if it's the park that that is having issues or yep. just the fact that it's not conducive to spectators or what have you. Um, what do you think about those two hills? Yeah, uh, it's almost the pinnacle kind of sort of of, um, of our sport, especially called back 10, 12 years ago um, yep. when all that kind of all those wild videos and everything started appearing and. Uh, there's nothing like it, especially Cable Hill. Um, I don't know if it's something to do with the way the rock is rounded off because it has so much traffic, but it's just it's un, un, it's unbelievable. Um, that that's a hill that momentum is your friend, but at the same time you better have a good line because the ledges are so big that it's, it's either going to break something or spit you straight off backwards. But yeah, I I, I watched uh, like I said I was watching that evolution video and uh, you know it, there's a couple different videos of you hitting that hill and it doesn't matter sometimes you hit it with the perfect amount of momentum to get up the ledge but your tire clipped the side of the wall and broke an axle i mean it's got to be the most deceiving hill you know again i've never seen it in person so i can't speak for much but when y'all are down there you know you get a good looks like a couple hundred feet start fully wide open oh yeah it uh that's a spectator event right there yeah that's right that's right uh Oh yeah, the crowd. I mean, I've talked to a bunch of people. They love anything high speed. Mm-hmm. If it's high speed, obviously the motor is six thousand plus RPMs. I mean, it's yeah. You know, they they love it. Uh, anything, it's, anything fast, it's, it's the horsepower. It's great rock. Is it open? Uh, as far as I know, it is. It's open for uh, to be to be rented out. Okay. Like, like a group of guys can rent it for a weekend. That's really cool. I'm pretty sure that's correct. You know, I honestly haven't heard anything yeah. about Gray Rock in a pretty good while, probably yeah. a good year or two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a couple of guys did a did a they did some kind of make trail ride and great again ride there last year, and I wondered because you know, again, I would love to go down there, and if they had a ride, I'd be down there in a heartbeat. Yep. But you just don't ever hear anything about it. There's no events, so it's hard to want to sign up to go somewhere you don't know if it's open Um, would you you know Southern Rock Racing Series Outlaw one of those if they have a Cable Hill race uh, are you going to go oh yeah oh yeah yeah there's uh, yeah there's no doubt about that Um, yeah I would love for one of the one of the series is to get back in there Um, Mm -hmm. hopefully it could happen I mean it's kind of like Stony Lonesome golly I mean that that place is that's another one that's pretty epic on when it comes to race hills you know Mm -hmm. um now, and Stony Lonesome, Lonesome just denied the race. You know, has have the race league stepped away from Stony, or has it been the other way around? Uh, as far as I know, I'm sure I can be corrected better, but I guess the county or the city own, owns the land, and they there was it. there was there was a UTV event there. Yeah, I, I remember that. And you know, they had they had a little bit of issues or thing, and I guess that's what turned racing away from um, from going there. Okay, and I, w- I wasn't sure if it was the race leagues that chose to step away because I, I do now that you said the city owned it. I remember there was a little bit of um, legal matters and things yep. like that. That's kind right, of Harry. So um, again, they have lots of trail rides out there though. And uh, if you ever if you ever put it on your Instagram or Facebook that you'd be there, uh, people would definitely come out and, and have. Oh a good yeah, time. yep, yep. It's it's a good one. That's no doubt. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, Have you been to Moab? I have not. I've always wanted to go. I've been asked to go a bunch. Uh, just never. Majority of time, whenever I was asked to go, it was in my off season, and most of the time I was already building something or 
trying to focus on building something for the following race here. Yeah. But I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted to go to the Easter Jeep Safari, one of the you know one of the bigger bigger events to have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Never made it, but I always wanted to go. But at least I did get to go to go to KOH and I actually got to race in it. That was even. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, you had a KOH experience in none other than a bomber. Um, I know that it was kind of short-lived, but, uh, you know, you jumped into an Ultra 4 race. Um, I don't remember. I remember watching you qualify in it. Yep. But uh, you had a short stint in Ultra 4. Tell me a little bit about that. You don't have to go into detail or anything, but just give me the high level. Yeah, let's see. So uh, I think it was 2015, I believe, the year. And I was approached by Jimmy Pinner on, on a century off-road in Murfreesboro at the time. Yep. And uh, one of our buddies... Richard Domus, he uh, was interested in being the owner of a team. They wanted me to be the driver, and I had my choice of co-driver. And I chose Cole Shirley. We, you know, we were good buddies at the time, good off-road experience, and blah blah blah. Anyway, long story short, we purchased, or um, they had purchased Randy Slauson's one of his bombers, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to Cali. We went to we went to um, Johnson Valley. And we rode, and, and did this this is on a uh, way before KOH, so this is literally just vacant desert. Mm-hmm. We rode and had an awesome time, learned to kind of learn the car and everything, and came back, kind of did this whole little prep, race prep, and we went. We of course we had we had to qualify to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that year you had to finish top five, I believe, at any of the any of the series races throughout the year. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty stout uh, requirement. I know it. Yeah, and honestly, we didn't really didn't really think it was gonna happen. Just because, I mean, low experience. I mean, pretty much the only experience I guess you'd say I, me as a driver, had was just driving wild and crazy on the hills like we do, like we've always done. Um, yeah. I've, I've never been on those short course track slash put some rocks in there and tabletop jumps and stuff like that. Because we had went to qualify at Sturgis, Kentucky, at Bill Baird's place. Yep, yep. yep. And um, back to me. We uh, let's see. I don't remember how. I don't know if there was a if they had a qualifying. I forget how that race started. I don't know where. Well, I don't know what position we started. I want to say we started sixth, but I don't remember. Uh, and it just so happened we made lap after lap. Everything was good. Um, on the last lap. We were, it's funny, uh, Jimmy Penner, he was a spotter and, you know, at the spotter tower. And so he was radioing into Cole telling him we was in sixth place that pretty much we needed to do whatever we needed to do to get fifth. Yeah. We was doing whatever we could do. I forget who we was battling with. And, uh, we jumped the whole rock pile. I think there's some pictures floating around for a little while. There's this rock pile, like 40 foot. We cleared the whole thing, but when it landed, it blew the tire off the wheel. And so we was kind of all over the place and, we finished, but we did not get around. Or that person we was battling with, they passed us when we had a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we finished right behind them. But come to find out, Jimmy, he was he was mistaken on our position. We were battling for fourth and fifth. So we was already in fifth. We pretty much yeah, did some severe damage to the vehicle for no reason. But um, so, <laughs> so anyway, so we finished fifth, and so we, we got in. We qualified in for KOH, um, went home, tore things apart, prepped it. Went to KOH. Um, we qualified. I think it was 14th, I believe. Um, we took off the line, and that, oh man, that uh, that was definitely an experience. Um, 
there's there's no way honestly there's no way to explain it without doing it. At least I I can't explain it. Uh it was awesome. Uh don't get me wrong, it was about a twelve hour car wreck, but it was it was fun. Man. Uh, I did push the vehicle too hard at times, like all four bypasses, the seals were blowed completely out whenever we were Ooh. done racing. But uh it was fun though and, and, and um we we took our time and was careful in the rock in the rock uh real rough rock sections. Um we got when we got in a bind, instead of me being rough with it, we went, you know, just try to be cautious and just finish. You know, this is the first time we've ever raced anything like that. So really the main ultimate goal was to cross the finish line in the valid time that we was allowed. Mm-hmm. And uh heck, I'll be dang if uh if we wouldn't have had fuel pump problems for sure it would have been top five, but we ended up finishing is it tenth or eleventh? So it That's was uh, wild. It was it was it was fun. It was it was awesome. I'd I'd love to do it again, but there's you know there's no way I'd be able to build one of them one of them vehicles and have what I have and try and try to race both. But yeah, and 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 the the big question that everyone will ask after that after that statement is, well, could you build a car that does both? And I I will beat it like a dead horse. You know, Ultra Four comes over here and and they they do well, but you know it's why be good at everything when you could be the best at one thing? And uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I tell you what, you know. Um, Derek West is pretty good. He's a good example. He, he is does, a great example. Yeah, he does awesome, um, especially if there's nothing real rough or nothing crazy, crazy steep. I've seen him climb some crazy steep stuff, though. Yeah, um, you race to riches this year. Good Lord, he put it 100 oh, feet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so, you know, Derek, you know, his, his vehicle, it's it's in my opinion, is pretty much purpose-built for, for, like, for, like, KOH style. And he, and he, he can, I guess you'd say, rock bounce or – Whatever you want to call it, uh, pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree but, with you. You know, a driver is a driver. You know, if, you know, if a driver gets put in a machine that is somewhat capable, most most likely, I think in any situation they're gonna they're gonna exceed. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of leads me. Uh, I have two more kind of subjects I want to talk about. I want to talk about UTVs real quick, and okay. then I want to get to uh, the questions I have for you. I have you. I have about. Uh, probably ten questions from people on Facebook, so not too yep. many. Um, but UTVs, uh, you won this year, correct? You won yes, the bounty. Sir. Okay, uh, congratulations. No, well, I, no, I, I didn't race the bounty. Okay. I, uh, you won it, the cup. Correct. Yeah, like the points, pretty much the exact same thing as bouncer. It's just a UTV Cup Series. Okay, gotcha. Uh, congratulations, and thank, thank you. you for clarifying. Uh, so, what do you think about the first thing? Who built your chassis? Because it seems like you, you've had a couple iterations of a chassis uh, that, you know, since they're all green and black, they all look kind of similar. Right, But you've right. had a couple different ones here. Uh, where did you start and where did you end up? Let's see here. So when I first started, the first year I raced UTV, I was racing for fun. It was just because I was already there uh, for a bouncer race, and the, and the UTV was on Friday. So I was like, heck, I'll just run it. So I was <laughs> racing a full body, and then, of course, you know that you know the full body. It, it, it works. It works amazing. Don't get don't get me wrong, but it's hard to push it to the level you can a full blown tube buggy. Yeah. So I think the year after I got with Justin Fraser, and uh, uh, he he built me the chassis, and and I, and I brought it back here and kind of finished it all out, and raced that year, won the championship. Uh, that's actually the buggy that Brandon has now. Really? Yep. I think Brandon's raced it for two years. Um, yeah, we going yeah. on third. But anyway, so raced that, did well, won the championship. Uh, went back to Justin again. He uh, he built me another chassis. I finished it out, and um, raced, raced. 
uh, had some trouble here and there, uh, come out second uh, Mm -hmm. last year for for the championship. Yes. And then we come in uh, this year, Austin Pruitt, he's been, he was wanting to build me a buggy bad, like been on me for like two <laughs> years. Um, yeah. And, you know, and don't get me wrong, Justin Fraser, he always built exactly what I wanted, never had no questions, ands, buts about nothing. Uh, it, but Austin Pruitt was literally like about an hour down the street. Mm-hmm. It was just, like you'd say, somewhat easier, you know. Mm-hmm. And plus, he'd been wanting to do it for a long time. So I was just, heck yeah, I'll give him the shot, let him do it. Yeah. So Austin built me the chassis. I, same thing. I come back home. I finished it all out and and everything. And uh, uh, buggy buggy did awesome. Uh, let's see. I raced. Yeah, I raced this past year. Uh, won the championship, and uh, here we are. So yeah, I yeah. am. I don't think no one really knows this either. Um, I am actually as soon as I get my big buggy. As soon as it's to to you know. I guess to the point to where I feel like it's race ready, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping won't be too much longer. Maybe I don't know a month and a half, and I'll have it ready to go. I hope. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually gonna build my first UTV. Uh, really? Yep, yep. I'm gonna build the, the whole thing ground up. Uh, I've always wanted to, just never really had the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the plan. Now, anything could change, but. Uh, I've still got my machine that I raced last year, so if if I ain't got if I don't finish it in time, ain't no problem. I mm-hmm. can run that machine for the first few races. But my goal is by race number three or somewhere in that area uh, to have my first UTV that I've ever built. So let me ask you, um, what are the what are the you know obviously like like we talked about earlier, you know you see an issue, you have a, a clear direction on you know something you'd like to change. Um, what are you going to change with uh, the UTV chassis? see um you know that i don't know uh, it's hard to there's so many little options here and there to do i think utv wise um i mean just like the x3 like the can-am you know them being a three-cylinder it's in my opinion i mean i'm, I'm it's it's i think it's hard for a razor to compete when it comes to power numbers because x3 has a whole nother cylinder yeah and a razor yeah but, um, I thought about doing a, a, a Can-Am, but I, just, I feel bad. Like I just, I, I feel bad because um, every sponsor that helps me out, majority of them are are uh, do more razor stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just, I would rather just stick with them. And I don't, I don't want to just, I don't want to just throw them out or nothing like that. I'd rather just stick. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick to razor. And I made it work last year, and I, I think I can do a little, few little tricks and things I got my sleeve to try to build my own thing and just just try something different. You know, it may not work. If it don't work, they no, it's, it's no bit no problem. I can take all the parts out. Only thing I'll be out is a little bit of metal, a little bit of time, mm-hmm. and I can give all those parts to whoever. Uh, Austin Pruitt, Justin Fraser, any any of those guys who pretty much build them for a living, I can give the parts to those guys, and they can turn me something else out, like just like I got now. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, so you mentioned earlier you occasionally will go trail ride your UTVs. Um, do you still have a full body? Oh yeah, uh, I've got a, I got a, an old one thousand. Is it that gray one? 
Yep, that's it. Yep. Okay, I saw that video like a year and a half, two years ago, and you just, that's you like, I just remember you saying this thing has been thrashed and still kicking. Yep. And, uh, that's, that's a big testament for me. And uh, again, regular listeners of the show will know, um, you know, the turbo, it's getting so cheap now that it's kind of hard for me to pitch my argument, but yep. that 1000 XP will do just about everything you ever needed. Yeah, it's, uh, I've always felt like that the 1000 XP is a good base platform to just go out and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And heck, it's it's tough, especially especially when you you do a bunch of little odds and stuff to it. You know, things will things will take a take a pretty good beating. Which mine, don't get me wrong, mine's been upgraded and I broke the thousand transmission. I put I put a turbo training in it. I mean, it's got all kind of little stuff that I've done to it, but um, it's been a great machine, no doubt about it. So let me ask you. Um, the new Pro XP and the Turbo S. What are your yep. thoughts on those two machines? I don't know a lot about the new Pro XP now. I do know a good bit about the S because I've I got one of those also. Uh-huh. Uh That thing is pretty impressive. To, to I mean, just right out the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I was climbing some stuff this past weekend. We actually rode at at, at my shop, and I. I it, it, it ain't. It wouldn't be far behind doing. I feel like doing what my race buggy would do. Wow. Um, you know, it's a little bit wider, so I think it just feels better in general. But when you're up on a hill, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if I want to step over into. I don't know if I want to get away from the 64 inch and go to a 72 inch when it comes to my race machine. And there's a few guys like Paul Wolf. His his is 72 inches. Um, so there's a few guys that are wide. And make it work great. Uh, I just don't. I don't know if um, I don't know if I'm good enough to quite do, do that yet. Well, I, I don't know if I'd put it that way, uh, <laughs> but I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I actually went to Sloan's today uh, in Murfreesboro, and that's, that's where I actually live. And uh, I went and I, I sat in a Kawasaki, the new Kawasaki. Well, yeah. actually, roll it back. I sat in a Turbo S. Uh, Turbo S is great. It feels a lot like an RS1 in terms of like what you can see and kind of where the placement of like the driver's side is. Right. But it, it it really just is a you know it's a it's a turbo 1000 body just slapped on with some wider more way more advanced suspension. Well, yeah, uh, but, but I sat in that. Yeah. Well, go ahead. You want to say something? I'll let, you, I'll let you finish first. Okay. All right. I sat in that Pro XP. Let me yeah. tell you, Tim. That isn't. It's not worth thirty grand. Right, right. Let me say that, <laughs> but it's uh, it it made me reconsider my trail machine because no kidding. that is man, it's uh, like again, I'm not somebody who's really interested in creature comforts or things like that, but everything's nice and uh, it just feels good. It just it you know it, you get in there, it's everything that you you kind of expected when you bought a twenty thousand twenty five thousand dollar machine. Yes, right, and right. Got the technology to back it. But the, you know, it sounds stupid. The armrest is right there. The shifter feels better. Steering wheel's better. Seats are a hundred times better. You got way more room left to right. When yep. you're in the driver's seat and you lean over, you're you're not leaning over the door. You're you know, the door kind of is like a shell and kind of comes back over you. Your body goes under the door and your head is, is just enough room to get out and see the tire. It, okay. it really is like being in a car, and it's right. uh, it's pretty great. I, I had to say, if I was going to get another machine and Cost was not an issue. Uh, hands down, no comparison. I would definitely get in that. But that's me just sitting in them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Driving. Have you um, have you drove a S yet? 
I haven't driven an S yet. I've I've ridden. Oh. I've actually sat in the passenger seat, but I haven't yeah. driven it yet. Uh, they got something figured out. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I'm just a. I'm more of just a country boy. Just kind of just common sense. Look at looking mm-hmm. at everything. But they got something. I understand it's got those, the electric shocks that adjust on the fly and stuff like that. Um, and I do understand it's a little bit wider. But that thing, I've never drove and driven something that is so like nimble and stable to be the size it is. Really? Yeah. Like I really, it's hard for me to explain. I mean, you're more welcome to come drive my. Yeah, it would blow your mind how this thing handles literally straight up factory with 32s on it. Wow. I just, it, I, you know, I'm bad about, I may shock tune my stuff and play with my stuff, but I'm bad about when I get to a certain point, it feels good. I just drive it and make it work. Just do just whatever it takes. Just make it go. No, don't think well, you feel bad about that because you got to remember that, you know, the other 99% of people that have razors who will never open up their shocks, never put another spring pack on there. Yep, yep. That's the same mentality they have. Well, it rides kind of good. I'm good with it. <laughs> Like that, that S, I mean, it handles better than my, than my Razor Buggy does. That's crazy. I, and the Razor Buggy is a whole lot lower center of gravity. Any Razor Buggy, razor buggy I've ever had. I mean, just, the S is a whole lot higher center of gravity, but handles, which, you know, players spent millions of dollars. I mean, they, they got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone could take, could make a big buggy all straight axle, not independent, all mm-hmm. straight axle handle like that. Like that S does, it would be, oh wow, and me just be completely <laughs> next level phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but well, that's, that's what they're saying, you know, because I, I had uh, I had Hubert on, and I've I've spoiler for the guys coming out uh, next week. I'm actually got an interview with the marketing manager from Polaris. He's going to yeah, come I, on. So, yeah. um, but that's their big kick on this machine is that it drives, it's nimble, it's balanced, it's you know all these things that you just said about the S, but you still have that comfortable seat position. You still have that good comfort. That's right. And, and, I'll take you up on that offer sometime to come out there and drive that thing because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to for me to believe it. And oh, yeah. yep. that's why I went to Sloan's today. I had to get parts from the RS1, but uh, I got in there and just told myself, you know, I was I was pretty reluctant. I was against, you know, this new car that just dumped a bunch of money into the into the interior. Totally worth it. But uh, you know, I would love to drive one and just be able to feel the differences from going from the 1000 XP turbo to the Turbo S and to the yep. Pro XP because everybody I've talked to says it doesn't, you know, it's leaps and bounds over the Turbo S. Oh, yeah. yeah the uh, Oh, wow, really? So the new, yeah. so over the S? Yes, absolutely. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Like your RS1, the way it darts and feels like it handles amazing, like through the yes. woods and stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, that S feels the same way, but, of course, it's a lot wider, so you almost have to be a little bit more, you guys should say, careful. Yeah. But but that's the way it acts and reacts, but say out, out in, the, in a field or something, it's just... And I really feel like you could be going uh, 40, 50 mile an hour and just jerk the wheel, and it, you could spin it plumb out, and it, it's, it won't even have the body roll. It's just it's wow. pretty amazing. Pretty, I was shocked. I mean, I, I drove a lot of a lot of stuff, and I was pretty wow, pretty much how I acted factory. That's pretty right amazing. Box, yeah. I, think, I think you you may have just sold a bunch of people on an S. Um, but uh, all in all, UTV, congratulations on the win. Um, I know that we'll, we'll be excited. You know, if you don't get the new car finished at the gate of the season, uh, everyone will be looking forward to when it does come out. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, so 
this has actually been one of the most asked questions I have for you. RC Rock Johnson. Oh, okay, um, yep, yep. First things first, what do you think about it? Uh, oh, it's – I'd love to do it. I've actually – I tried to do it um, when they first came out. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, when they first started um, having them at the at the events. Uh-huh. Um, but the one I have, which it's funny to say, this, I, this, I've had it like 10 years. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's MOA, you know, so it's motor motor on axle. It's uh-huh. got aluminum Berg axles up under it. But so one of the rules is it can't be MOA after <laughs> shaft, shaft driven. Yeah. Uh, so I just I just never did. I just never got nothing. I could get something. Yeah. Um, it's just sometimes if so a lot of times they'll have they'll have the RC thing between hill one and two. Right. And. Um, it, if I have a problem with with my uh, with my bouncer or anything like that, or most of the time I'm, I'm over there walking hill too, getting ready for it. But right. it just you know, I'm, I guess I'm just not quite to the uh, to the comfort level to to be able to do the RC thing and and be over here and try to focus on. Yeah, I get that. I, I didn't realize that they had the RCs during the hills because it, you know, especially you know, if I'm out there driving and I've got a chance to look at the hill again before we're about to run it. Um, you know, I, I would miss that opportunity as well. Uh, it seems kind of, uh, I get that it's kind of like a distraction between the hills, but yep. uh, you would think that they would either run it before both hills as kind of a preliminary thing or, you know, maybe even after. It, uh, and I could be mistaken. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it, I, mean, I guess my mind is it's pretty bad. I can't even remember that, but oh, I guess right. my mind is, you know, has so just, I guess I'm just so focused on what I've always done. I'm pretty sure yeah, between yeah. hill one and two, it might it might be at the end. It possibly yeah. could be after hill two. I just um, I can't remember. I, I've seen them do it. I've went over and watched and actually watched it before. Yeah. Um, I just uh, yeah, but well, but it, I have, it, a, I have, I've, I've always wanted to just just haven't. Well, I tell you, I have a, a, a Nick from RC Command, the guy that runs the uh, RC bounces at the Southern Rock Racing Series. He's a, he's listening right now. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, if you ever need a machine, he'll be more than happy to bring one for you. Oh, yeah. uh, after a race, and it's a time where you can kind of step away and not have to focus on the race. The racing's done. Uh, feel free, go over there. Those guys would love to to see you uh, over there. And uh, I know that there's a couple of guys. Uh, I think that Brandon Davis is his name's been tossed around. I think Tim Bacon. I know uh, Dan Carter's got one, and they're they're looking at racing them this year. And uh, yep. you know, it, it's it's one of those things that. I interviewed the Hobacks earlier this week and, and just talked to him about uh, there's something satisfying about it and it's a lot of fun and it's yep. you know you, you you don't have the stress of a you know I'm my body is sitting in this rig that's right two you know it's much easier to pay thirty bucks to fix the part than you know four thousand to replace something that's yep. you know the, the pay scales uh, dividends different but uh, I know that those guys were, were were dying for me to ask if you'd if you'd you know, had it in mind or what have you on the table, but yeah, I haven't uh, thought about it. Um, just you know, it's just one of the things that just need to um, just need to step up and make it happen. Yeah, well, I, like I said, if you ever if you ever wanted to uh, take the easy way and just get a rental, uh, those guys would be more than happy to give you one. Yep, yeah. Getting the Facebook question. Speaking of, speaking of Colton, he uh, yeah. I've been getting, but I've been getting a message about once a week. He's dying for me to send him send him a picture of my new one. I guess he wants to be kind of <laughs> the first one out of a uh, of my yeah. build RC one. Yeah. Well, he'll be listening to this too, and uh, he can he can enjoy the information. That oh you yeah, get, just like everybody else. <laughs> That's right. Alrighty. Um, so the first question I have is uh, it's from Deepatch Photography. 
he says, uh, who is your favorite driver in the, in, uh, in the, in the race, rock racing world? Who is your favorite driver other than yourself? Fa- uh, favorite driver in the rock racing world. Yep. Man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I would say, I would say West Coast, be either Lauren Healy or Tom Ways. Mm-hmm. And I would say East Coast, favorite driver, um, I feel like I'm setting you up for a trap here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, I mean, like everybody. Uh, yeah, I think I, that's, I think that's a fair answer. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. If I was going to narrow it down, just the, the actual question would be, what's my favorite driver? I would say Lauren Healy. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the second part of his question is, if you could drive in any other motorsport, like any other type of racing, what yep. would it? Be? Uh, Pro Four. Give me a little background on Pro Four. Well, like uh, like Kyle Duke, uh, and like Bryce Menzies, they uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of those guys they do they do a lot of them do Pro Two and Pro Four, but it's all short course stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I lived if I lived out west, besides Ultra Four, because I'd be all in Ultra Four and did did everything they do. Uh, Pro Four would be my um, my go to. I know it's I, it'd be hard, probably a little bit hard to compete because a lot a lot of those guys got a a few trucks, you know, to have for spares, but um, yeah, they got a, they got a, they got a, some sponsors. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's big money for sure. But, yeah. but Pro Four would be my absolute, um, what I would like to, if I was going to choose one. And for those who who aren't listening and, and needed a refresher like I did, Pro Four is the. Uh, it's a lot like what a Traxxas slash looks like. It's the four wheel drive, uh, trophy, not trophy trucks, but they're IFS up front, rear suspension in the back, dirt track, uh, Red Bull Frozen Rush is Pro 4. Um, that's a, that's a good reminder. Big yep. jumps, lots of speed, and tons of power. So, oh, yeah. Um, alright, well, cool. Uh, second one, we talked about trail riding, so there's that one. Uh, Will Bell, who races with you, says, uh, ask him why he prefers 29-inch Bighorns over every other UTV tire. Big Will Bell. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote Big that. Big Will Bell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went um, to high school with Will. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we were the same age, man. He's yeah. a great kid. That's awesome. Uh, I have, I've been asked that a lot. Um, and I don't, I really, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I don't know if it's because I've been on Bighorns for a long time mm-hmm. pretty much the factory front tire is what i run all four corners um i've tried a bunch of other different things i honestly ain't tried a bunch of different tires in a racing scenario but i've tried them outside of the racing scenario to see how i was going to like them and how they react at certain times um so the 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 big horn is what i my kind of my go-to and what i've always it's weird, but I keep going back to it. You know, um, don't get me wrong. It's it ain't the toughest tire. That, that, that yeah, I think it's six ply. It's you know, it's quarter inch maybe sidewall, maybe less than that. And uh, it you know, it cuts easy. Um, it's got to have a few spares. And I I've also get asked a lot about do I run tire balls? I think a lot of people think I do, uh, but I don't. Um, I have ran them in the UTV at one time, but the reason I stepped away from it is because depending what the course is, depending what the hill is, how steep it is, I like to play with air pressure a lot. Yeah. So, and 
I feel I do feel like that there's been some times where I cut a tire down and had to finish the whole course on flat, and it probably cost me a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, on on that event on that course, especially a big buggy too. Same way, you know, anything can happen. There's no tire that's, as you see, say indestructible without tire balls in it. Um, so tire balls definitely a good a good option. I just I don't run them because I like to play with air pressure too much, and it's hard to it's hard to do that and have a tire ball. You know, I think that you can still have a happy medium, but anytime I've ran tire balls, I ran pretty much no carcass pressure, as balls only, and they had to, they had to be pretty tight to have. To have the nimble feel of the tire when you're trying to turn left and right through trees and slide yeah. around. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the other question we all had for you was, how's your RS1 diff held up? Yeah, that uh, probably one of the best modifications that I I went with. Um, knock on wood, I, I, I've, I've heard of people breaking the ring gear and having bad luck. Um, but I do run a stock tire. I do run 29-inch tires, so that helps for sure. Um I try to I try to drive fast, but try to be finesse also. Like if it jumps off the ground, pedal it until the tires get back to the ground. Little stuff like that I think helps a lot when it comes to you know making stuff live and whatever. But long story short, yes, the um, RS1 diff has been a very beneficial. And uh, as far as I know, it will be my go-to diff from now on, unless players comes out with something bigger than that. Gotcha. Um, I got one question here. It's two questions. Uh, it says, what is your biggest, is the other word here, but what's your biggest oh crap moment you've had during a race? I would say just quickest that comes to mind. Oh my gosh, I don't even like thinking of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It ain't that bad. Yeah. Uh, we was at Windrock. It was bad, muddy. You probably know what I'm talking about already. But we come off, uh, we come off the start line. It was a slight left-hander, and it was this big hole. There was a flag on both sides of this hole, and it was a 30-second penalty if you hit the flag. And I was so concentrated on this flag that I stuffed the front driver in the bank, and I couldn't I couldn't drive out of it. Rolled over. I turtled in that hole. Mm. You know, and even worse than that, it was a points event. Just it happens. You know, I, I can't. I can't. I, I have, it's funny. I have people tell me all the time. Well, I guess he is human. Like I guess. The, I don't know if that's some kind of <laughs> yeah. robot or something, but yeah. um, I mean, you know, you know, it's part of it. But I, I made a mistake and turned over, so that was my biggest crap moment. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the other side of that coin, what's your biggest uh, hell yeah moment? Oh, uh, I'd say that I can remember one of the best feelings and wildest hills climbed I've I've climbed in a while. I want to say I'm the only one to climb it two times. I think I could be mistaken. Anyway, there's a hill at Windrock. It, it, it's been a few years. I had Showtime too, and um, there it wasn't a race hill. It was uh, we was there as a bounty, mm-hmm. and um, it's most people know where it's at. It's around the right hand side. It's uh, uh, sure people since Rob Bubba took that crazy, like bad crash cartwheel and crash off of it. Um, I was able to, yeah, I was able, I was able to climb it two times. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's definitely a good, good hill for sure. Yeah, I just, I just, as we we're sitting here talking, I was sitting here. Is that the hill where at, at the lip it just caved back a little bit, like it yeah. almost? Oh my gosh! Yeah. I saw the hill. Oh my gosh, dude! Literally, that's I saw that. I was out there with my buddy, and that's the moment where it really dawned on me that y'all that drive this 
I don't, it, you know, it could be a disregard for life, like you said yeah. earlier, or it could be just a dead set on competition. But uh, that was the moment when I realized I was not cut out for anything like that because yeah. that, that hill was so undercut that it looped back out and I shot know it. away it's, from the hill. It's crazy. <laughs> Man, absolutely wild. I think that that's an awesome moment to uh, always remember. And then uh, Colton Hoback actually asked, uh, are you coming to the King of Hammers backdoor shootout? You know, I've, I've I've wanted to. I've raced. I have raced and won the shootouts here on the East Coast, mm-hmm. but I've never actually went out there and done it at back uh, at back door. Not really back door, but uh, the Holly shootout or KOA shootout. Um, I've been there and watched it. Heck, I stepped back. I'm sorry. I actually did race that when, uh, that year we was there in the bomber. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't put forth. I guess you'd say a winning effort because we, you know, we had a we had that big race coming up three or four days after. But I did race and have a good time. Uh, but to answer Colton's question, um, I'd love to, but it all depends on where I'm at with my new machine. Because uh, I'll have that thing running in probably two weeks, so I'll be doing shock tuning and making sure everything is is good to go. If everything is good to go. Uh, yeah, I'll bring I'll bring unfinished business up there. That's awesome. So you you have already planned on going out there? Uh, I, I haven't. <clears throat> I guess I say it ain't set in stone. Yeah, I will go if my new race machine is ready to, is already ready for the 2020 season. All right. Well, cool. You heard it here first. All righty. Uh, Anthony on asked your favorite rock bouncer that you did not build. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, where where were we? Uh, uh, oh, favorite rock bouncer that you did not build? Oh, let's see. Favorite rock bouncer did not build? Um, uh, I'm gonna say, golly, that is, I mean, that's almost like favorite driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a, I guess it's a little less personal because it's yep, a machine, right? Yep, I would have two. Um, I'm gonna say Bubba Bacon or, um, or uh, Matt Schistler's new one, the one that Jake just put out. Oh yeah, that uh, thing's uh, mean. Yeah, I'm gonna say if I was gonna get pick one to race, like if I was gonna get one to race, mm-hmm. would be Matt Matt Schistler's new one. Uh, I actually drove that thing, and it's of course it's way, it's way built big for me, but Matt's like three times my size. I was really <laughs> was looking through the steering wheel, but um, yeah, <laughs> that was that thing was it was wild. It was wicked. It was a it was good. It was that'd be my number one though. Would be Matt. Matt. Okay. Cool. And then uh, the last question I have is: When are you going to do the reveal for your 2020 rig? Well, <laughs> my goal was if I can keep it hush hush and 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 no pictures get out and all this and that, which that's that's hard to do, especially when I try to take it around and shock in at different places, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my goal was to not reveal it until the first race of the year. Oh, awesome! That's really exciting. Um, but yeah, so so probably as soon as we get done, I'll do all the cool little walk around, nice, pretty pictures, and cause I'm sure after about two days worth of shock tuning, they won't be pretty no more. Sure, they all beat up, and you know, you know how it is. Anything horsepower is going to throw rocks all down the side of it, and yep. Yep. Well, that's all right. Well, uh, Tim, that pretty much answers all my questions. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we kind of go into, you know, your goodbyes and your thank yous and things like that? You know, I don't guess so. Just, you know, any anyone anyone new coming to the sport, just, you know, if 
don't don't ever don't ever feel like you can't ask me a question. I'm willing to help anyone with anything. And uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm a very I'm a really really shy person. I've I've heard people <clears throat> some people thought I was maybe like arrogant or something, but that's not the case at all. I'm I'm just I'm shy. Like I pretty much won't hardly say anything unless someone says something to me first. Just got I'm just that's how I've always been. Yeah, uh, but so I think people will get a good feeling for you after this podcast that you're you're definitely don't carry the arrogance or anything like that at all. That that's okay. not a vibe I got from you at all. Yes, sir. No, I, that's 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 right for sure. Well, uh, with that, uh, you know, obviously you have a long list of sponsors and all that fun stuff. So if you if you want to give them a shout out now, feel free to. Or if there's anybody in particular you want to give a shout out to, yeah. uh, the floor is yours. I tell you what, yeah, I'll just uh. I'll just go ahead and read my whole list because, yeah, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like leaving people out. I'd rather just go ahead and just name off everybody, and they all they all know that uh, I really do appreciate it. That it'd be hard to do this sport and especially be as competitive and, and do as well as I am if it wasn't for them. Um, be able to, uh, like, killer ball joints, Interco tire, true ready wheels, PTC transmissions, graphic effects, RCV axle components, ocean engineering, PSC Motorsports, SCS Gearbox, Radflow Shocks, Torque Masters, Shackle Automotive, Burrow Tech Powder Coating, Finish Line Truck Wash, Hayes Farms, Raceline Wheels, High Angle Driveline, TMR Customs, Evolution Power Sports, Staz Works, Gear Grabber Shifters, DBR Performance, Super ATV, Special Carriage Manufacturing, ISP Seats, Extreme Razor Performance, Pack Racing, Bent Wheel Solutions, KB3 Performance, DC Motorsports, Prove It's Off-Road, Performance Side-by-Side Bushings, Brannick Motorsports. If it weren't for all those guys, it'd be be definitely hard to be competitive and push it to a limit that I love to push it to. Yeah, well, we're, we as fans are all glad that those companies stand up and uh, not only support you, but use you for, for research and development because it all in all helps everybody build better parts. So oh, yeah. we appreciate them right. as well. Um, but Tim, I personally like gotta say thanks for making time for me. Oh, uh, you're, you're welcome. Been a big fan for a long time, so it's been awesome to sit with you for uh, almost two hours here. So thanks for taking the time out of your Monday night. I know as you, as you mentioned earlier, you're very very busy, but uh, I'm gonna let you go for the evening. Um, what I'm actually gonna do is we'll, we'll close out the podcast here, and then I'll actually give you a call on my uh, my cell, and right. we'll talk for a few minutes, and uh, we'll just go from there. Is that sound oh, yeah. all right? Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot. And just like I said earlier, I, I apologize it took so long. I feel, oh, I feel like we've been, we've been trying to talk like before the race season even started this past year. And I, just, <laughs> I, I, I feel terrible, just, you know, but at least we made it happen. And I hope I fulfilled every, everything you need me to fulfill. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, I'll let you go. I'll give you a call here in just a minute. Thanks, Thanks for being a lot. on. I appreciate it. it. Thanks a lot. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, like I said earlier, just make sure you like us on Facebook. Share the post if you enjoyed it. Uh, today's episode was great. I had an absolutely awesome time to talking to one of the best in the business. Today's show was also brought to you by WeBuyRides.com. WeBuyRides.com is your go-to place for a real offer on your vehicle. They will buy your vehicle outright for that offer, or that offer will be good on a new or used vehicle trade-in. They have a huge network of buyers to ensure that they can give you the best offer possible. Before you sell or trade your vehicle, take the time to go to WeBuyRides.com and make sure you're getting the best deal possible. Also, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, they specialize in 4x4s, diesel trucks, and highline vehicles. That's WeBuyRides.com. WeBuyRides with a Z. 
W-E-B-U-Y-R-I-D-E-Z.com. And even if you're looking for a specific vehicle that they don't have on the lot, I promise you if you send them a message and tell them, hey, if you guys come across one of these, they'll do everything they can to get one on the shop for you, get one on the lot for you, and try to make something happen for you. Customer service there is unparalleled. Really enjoyed talking to the staff there, uh, and I'm really glad to have them on board as part of the team. That is WeBuyRidesWithAZ.com. Another sponsor is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road specializes in light bars, light pods, uh, rock lights, wheel rings, mirrors with lights in them, light whips, everything you can think of. And most of that product, all of the Infinite Off-Road brand product, in fact, is covered by the 25-year you break it, they fix it. Warranty, even covering accidental damage. No questions asked. They'll warranty everything you have. Wiring kits made it super easy. I can give a huge testament to their new line of products that are coming out. Um, check, Keep an eye on their Black Friday sale coming up. Uh, that's something I didn't mention in the pre-intro. So do that. That'd be awesome, guys. Infinite Off-Road offers all Racing on the Rocks uh, listeners a discount code of 10% off with code R-O-C-K-S. Another sponsor of the show is All Things UTV. All Things UTV is basically the, the end point for everything else. Uh, wheels, tires, axles, drivetrains, uh, performance accessories, clutching, uh, suspension upgrades. One thing I didn't highlight earlier is their Cloud 9 suspension kit. That's all eight springs and crossover rings. Uh, that is what you want to do if uh, if... You're looking to complete the package and have a reasonable price in it. A lot of times those suspension packages can be way, way, way expensive and way out of the budget for most people. The Cloud 9 Spring Kit is a definite option where budget and quality and performance all meet and intersect at one location. Can't speak highly enough about the team at All Things UTV and Dustin and his support of those in the industry. So. Give those guys a check out allthingsutv.com. But most importantly, guys, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. Um, just let us know. Write a review. Leave us five stars if you love it. And uh, make sure you like us on Facebook. Without further ado, everybody, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Have a good one.